Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. I am your host, the Sis Dog. How's it going? You all right? I'm not too bad. I'm pretty good, actually. I went for a swim on Friday. Swimming is tough. I didn't think it would be that that bad, but, you know, it was all right. I wasn't prepared for how tired I'd be afterwards. Um, I thought the pool was 50 meters uh, the whole time. So I'm swimming and I'm counting in my head each lap, 50, 100, 150. And in my head, I got up to 1,500 meters. But then I found out the pool is only 25 meters in length. So I only did 750 meters, but I think that's pretty good for someone who doesn't really swim. I hit the sauna after the swim, then the hot tub. I was loving life, mate. So even though I've got this hernia, I can still swim. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, this week on the podcast, I caught up with Red Row Rodriguez, otherwise known as Red. He's a guitar player and singer for his band Red Row Rodriguez and his Inner Demons. Red is also a great sound engineer. And uh, we get into his early touring days in the 90s where Red shares a pretty funny story while touring with Jane's Addiction. So stick around for that. Art of Turing is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Turing on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app on your Android device. And remember, Art of Turing is part of the A Lot of Green Podcast Network. You can check all of their awesome podcasts out on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. There is some coarse language in this week's episode, so if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Hey Dougie, and then once they're dropped off at the play centre, throw Art of Touring back on. Now let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor. Episode 34 of Art of Turing is brought to you this week by Charles Barkley's Finishing School. Are you looking for a school that will teach you the finer points of basketball psychology? Need work on your comebacks? Then enroll now in Charles Barkley's Finishing School, where Charles himself will show you how to intimidate your opponents with a single phrase. Charles Barkley's Finishing School, the only name in basketball etiquette. Just so you know, Art of Turing is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can Google Art of Turing and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before I get into my conversation with Red, I'd like to share with you some of his music. This is a track called Total Snoozeville.
There we go. There's a taste of Red Row Rodriguez and his inner demons. Now let's check out my conversation with Red. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast coming at you from the Siriani Studios here in uh, good old Pembroke Street in Epping. And uh, t- today, tonight, whenever you're listening, your guest this week with me is Red. How are you, Red? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. Now, um, your stage name, Red Rodriguez, or Red Row Rodriguez, rather, um, is that your name or is that your stage name? Like, give us a little it's bit a, of a backstory. It's a stage name. I mean, my yeah. real name's Dave. Oh, really? Yeah. It's no, nothing nothing spectacular. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a Dave too, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I just wanted a, a, a stage name. Yeah. But it was sort of... Uh, because bands kept coming and going, so I figured I'd, I'd just sort of make a name for myself and then yeah. call the band something else. Cause was- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've always called you Red. Yeah. And we've, kn- we've known each other, you know, in passing for, God, since probably about 2011, I would say, would yeah. be the first time I, I played the Cherry Bow and you were yep. doing sound on a Monday and, yep. you know, cut my teeth at that um, fantastic venue. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so first question, man, where are you from? Where'd you grow up, dude? Well, uh, I was born in Brisbane. Uh, my parents moved to Melbourne when I was one, um, so I grew grew up on um, grew up on the by the beach, Brighton. Um, yeah. Moved to St Kilda when I was nineteen. Um, started roadieing for bands when you know when I was eighteen before I'd left home. Um, right. Before I'd finished school, even. Wow. Um, a. Uh, a yeah, so that's the. So yes. you were there in Brighton. Do you have any brothers or sisters or anything like that? I have that? one little brother, yeah. Yeah? And he lives in the States now. Oh, in the States. And yeah. is he involved in the music industry at all? He or? likes music. I yeah. think he plays, uh, he, he, he plays bass, actually, I think. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm not sure if he plays in any bands. We're not close. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what, what about your folks? Are either of those guys musical? No. No, no. So you're the black sheep? Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, my mum did learn to play guitar while I was growing up, but she didn't really do much with it. Yeah. Right. Right. But, um, yeah. I had, had a fierce love of music from an early age. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, pursued it at school, you know, my little Catholic school, sang in the choir, you know. Where did you go to school? A place called St. Joan of Arcs. St. Joan of Arcs? Yeah. Oh, that's Saint cool. St. Joan of Arcs in, in um, Dendy and New Street. Yeah. Right. In Brighton, yeah. in Brighton, yeah, and um, and so music, even though it wasn't in the house, really, it kind of spoke to you at, a, at an early age. You were saying, yeah. And what instrument did you first pick up? Singing, singing was really the the first thing I picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we did recorder or something in grade three, yeah. Um, um, but uh, it sort of it became clear I wanted to play the guitar maybe around twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, around know. then. Um, you know, I started building guitars out of Lego. That was, that was, that was a bit of a sign. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, and uh, parents, uh, I got got lessons, classical guitar lessons. Oh, you stuff. did? So and once you got to high school, they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you some lessons. Yeah. And Oh, that's yeah. cool. And so you had lessons all through high school or just for a little bit? Um, uh, from... 
Yeah, maybe for a couple of years, you know, yeah. 14 to 16 or so, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And they bought you a, a classical guitar, like a nylon string? My mum still had one from when she was learning. Oh, wow. Uh, so I, I, I took up that one, but I started sort of uh, convinced my parents to give me, uh, let me buy a, a uh, uh, my first guitar was a, a Samick Strat copy. Nice. Uh, with a little Samick amp that I still have. It's got a blown speaker, but... Um, you still I, got I, it? I still got it, yes. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just got to find a little 8-inch 4-ohm speaker at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, I, I can relate, man. I, I I mean, looking around you, you probably can tell I'm a bit of a hoarder. I don't really throw away gear. You know, yeah. some users just, you know, sell and trade and get yeah. into stuff. I have everything I've ever bought. Yeah. I don't think I've ever sold I, any I find it hard to part with musical equipment. Yeah, yeah. And I frequently, you know, pick up orphans yeah. and, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, friend stuff. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a hoarder. I'm pretty sort of... Mm. You know, I can let things go when I have to, but with, yeah. with musical equipment, I you know I tend to sort of I see what potential use it could have in the future. In the future, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, isn't you it? You know, it's yeah. the the yeah the, uh, the dream of having your own studio, so you've got a place for all of your stuff. Yeah, you know, that's it, man. Where it's actually useful and usable. Yeah. <laughs> And so you've still got the amp, and do you still have the guitar as well? No, I don't have the guitar. I, I think I, I probably sold that secondhand for a small amount. Yeah. I've still, I've still got my next guitar. It doesn't have any strings on it, though. It's right, of, yeah, yeah. And I'd can, cannibalized it for the pickups. Oh, nice. So <laughs> I, I still have bits of that guitar, yeah. And so you had um, an interest in guitar playing at an early age, but also taking things apart as well. Yeah. So you had that kind of you know, like instinct um, quite young. Yeah, I've always been fascinated with, you know, fixing things of technology, Yeah, you know, the you know the future possibilities, things, you know, yeah, like yeah. that have always fascinated me. Yeah, I, right. You know, I've always sought out jobs where I'm kind of, you know, the where it's uncharted territory, where nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I like those jobs because yeah. I don't stand out so much. But <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. And so when you were getting the lessons on the classical instrument and then you eventually got the electric guitar, did you still continue with the same teacher on that electric guitar or did you change teachers? Uh, or She was she was just classical finger-picking finger, finger picking mm-hmm. sort of teacher. That was sort of... That was a thing. So you know, I've got I've got a bit of that when I don't have a pick. I can happily play finger style and stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I wanted to rock. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Van Halen was was sort of probably my guitar hero at the time. Yeah. Right. So let's, um, let's see. I was fourteen in nineteen eighty four. So yeah. Yeah, that when makes 1984 sense. Nineteen eighty four came out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that was a big record for me, and and um, yeah, Eddie Van Halen was sort of uh, my first guitar hero. Yeah, think, in that regard. Yeah, I had a a guest on here um, a couple of weeks ago, Ben Quirk, and he um, he cited the same the same guitarist as as his hero as well, mm. growing up. Mm. Um, and uh, obviously, you're always a product of your, your environment and who's you know on the tally and the radio at the time. So um, that's uh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, and so, uh, did you actually join a band at any, at any time during your high school years? No, I was uh, the. Uh, I wasn't kind of. Uh, what's the word? I wasn't embraced by my fellow musicians at high school. Right. <laughs> they they didn't really want 
me to jam with him and stuff. So it's okay. sort of, um, that that didn't really no. No, you didn't have a band, so you just kind of played, you know, in the bedroom, jamming yourself yeah, and learning I, songs and everything. Yeah, I had jam. I had I started forming bands when I left school, pretty much. Yeah, with, right. Um, with friends and and you know, kept forming, you know, keep continue to form bands. Yeah. <laughs> did you go straight into the workforce, or did you um study music at all when you left school? Uh, I I didn't study. No? Um, I didn't study uh music at in a school thing until much later. I pretty much, I tried to do TOP art. To, um, I, I wanted to also be a uh, an artist, mm-hmm. um, painter. Um, but uh, started roadieing pretty right. much okay. at, at 18. So. so as soon as you left school, you started roadieing. Yeah. yeah, right. And what kind of acts were you roadieing with like, when I, you first left? I started working for what, what happened was on my 18th birthday, I went to the corner hotel to see my friend's band. Um, my friend was a guy named Chris Payne. He was a, um, a, a highly regarded skateboarder and guitar player, and he had a band called Killing Time. Which right. later went on to get a record deal and become Mantissa. They made two records. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I went to that show, and the lead singer Adam gave me a lift home hmm. and said that, oh, you know, oh, we're looking for someone to help with the gear. I'm like, oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, cool. You know, and and um, you know, they they kind of adopted me and I started. You know, helping them with their gear and tuning their guitars and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is 1988? No, this was 1990. 1990. Oh, yeah. okay. So I, th- I thought you said four, 1984, you were 14. 14. So 18, you'd be 1988. That's four years later. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm uh, 1972. Yeah. So, oh, that would put me... Yeah, you, you would. So if you were born in 1972, yeah, you would have been 18 in 1990. Yeah. So yeah, you you weren't um, 14 in 1984. You were, you were 10, 16 or 14. Fuck. You can tell I'm a music teacher, not a maths teacher. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm I'm struggling now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, all right. But you left school anyway. You knew. Yeah, you know, 18, I, 20 years old. Whatever yeah. It is. I, yeah. I, I, and so how long were you writing with those guys? Couple and then sort of. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, I was about a year and a half. Um, I, uh, in that time, like the next gig after that, that, that first gig that I was sort of working on was supporting Faith No More at the Old Greek Theatre. So oh, wow. That was, that was awesome. So you and were then, doing the roadie gig for the band and, yeah. and they were supporting Faith they No More. supporting Faith No oh, More. Oh, wow. That's cool. First, first trip out. Mm. And then, um, in my time, very short, very short time with that band, I went, went on tour with them mm. with um Noiseworks, which wasn't so fun. <laughs> um uh Jane's Addiction, which was amazing, mm. and um Baby Animals. Wow. Is, yeah. Great. That's crazy, man. Yeah, so And so because yeah, I mean most of the guests that I've um interviewed have been the performers and they have a very different outlook of, you know, like life on the road. Um, but coming from the standpoint of lugging the gear and, you know, p- actually being responsible for putting on the show, um, you must have a, a very unique um, viewpoint on, like, what's that like? Now, for example, you just said on oh, Noiseworks, that wasn't very fun. What what made that tour not as fun as others? 
Oh, my girlfriend had busted up with me. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> Here's me thinking that would prima donna was hard to work uh, with. And- I mean, they they are they're solid lads. Yeah, you know, cool, cool. You know, I've I've met Steve Balby, the bass player. Yeah, you know, in more recent times, and you know, got along great with him. He's, he seems like a really good guy. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it was more it was, coming from like your mu- space in your life at the time. Yeah, musically yeah. they didn't inspire me. You know, sort of like the the guys in Killing Time were, were all sort of influenced by Soundgarden. The things that were got you know the Seattle scene in the nineties time, the, right? The, a lot of seventies rock, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin, and yeah, yeah, and and sort of at the same time, you know. Um, you know, but glammy enough to sort of go along with the sort of, you know, to have interest from the Motley Crue fans at right. the time that, you know, because that was when Dr. Feelgood sort of came out and that was sort of, ah. that was a big record at the time. So yeah, of course. That, that was sort of a hard rock, glammy, alternative indie sort of, you know, act. Mm. And, um, you know, the, so we were all listening to all the Seattle stuff. I was, Sonic Youth was my favorite band at the time and yep. Noiseworks just didn't do it for me. And yeah, so, so you're lugging gear for a band that you're like, oh, this is a little yeah, bit past four, it kind of thing. 14 hour days in you know, RSL, <laughs> RSLs, you know, with, with uh, you know, the, yeah, it just wasn't my bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the time, but it was, you know, I was, I was still in gaining the, experience. I was, in, I was in the industry. I was, you know, I was doing stuff. So, yeah. Can't complain. Yeah. And so during that time in your life, was that like your hundred percent your gig all the time, or you were having to subsidise your income by like doing like a regular day gig or something? Well, I, I was living with my parents, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to worry about rent. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on the dole. Back in those days, the dole was something you could live on, mm-hmm. and they didn't require a hell of a lot of work to stay on it. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah. it was you were just yeah doing the roadie gig yeah 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 I was just doing the roadie gig for your um like early to mid twenties I suppose yeah uh yeah till like the I mean the killing time gig didn't didn't last that long that mm-hmm. was sort of growing rapidly and uh, I was sort of still very young and clueless yeah. about things going on and uh, you know sort of uh, they were getting frustrated with me and um I, I sensed that and I. You know, stop that. We we remained friends and stuff, but I started, mm. uh, you know, doing crewing work for yep. a company called Lock and Load, which is still going now. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, I worked for them for five years while sort of doing other stuff. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, cool. Right, right into the mid nineties, and then then I was doing a, a computer job uh, for a few years, and then I wound up back in the industry in the music industry, working at Woodstock Studios. Um, under, oh, where's that? That was in um, Woodstock Street in in Balaclava. That was with Joe Camilleri. He was my boss there. Oh, right. And so that was a rehearsal space or a recording studio? Recording, yeah. a recording studio. So yeah. you were taking there at the recording studio. Yeah, for I, a was, bit. I was the I was the um, I suppose the the studio manager. Yeah, and, right. And assistant and stuff. Oh, okay. So when um. An act would book the space. You would be there to, um, you know, facilitate all of the leads getting plugged well, in and yeah, like engineering I'd, I'd everything. Help the engineer and yeah, um, make coffee. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good gig. Yeah, get pizza stuff. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, 
what kind of acts were like coming in and out, like ones that you can kind of remember I, off the top of your head? I got like, to meet a with... lot of my heroes from Countdown. So, yeah. Um, Ross Wilson was uh, one I can remember. Yeah. Renee Geyer, um, uh, the Even guys, um, Ash and Wally and Matt from Even, mm-hmm. they, they did they did an album there and, you know, we're still friends today. Yeah. Um, um uh, Tony Cohen came and did a couple of records. Sure. Um, the great Tony Cohen. He, he did a, a, a Mola record and um, Six Foot Ick. I remember that name, Mola. Yeah. That was a real, like, they 90s. Did a, yeah, they did a reformation gig just um, last weekend. Well, really? Where was yeah, that? At the Curtain, yeah. No doubt. Mm. Oh, man. That's insane, man. Because, yeah... Thinking back to that time, um, just even just flipping through Beat Magazine in the nine, 90s and, you know, into the early noughties, you see all the names playing at the venues and everything, and then you don't see them anymore. If you, you, you know, you have a look the following week, or even maybe the, you know, in six months' time, they're not there anymore. So, it's you know, bands come and go a lot. I mean, there's so many musos in Melbourne, it's going to happen. But, um, wow, that's the name I haven't heard in such a long time. Yeah. Mola, far out. And so, um, yeah, so was there any, like, um, just thinking back to the days when you were roadieing with, um, uh, what was the name of the band again? Killing Time. Killing Time, I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, uh, were there any times on the road there where, where you... Um, like yeah, like any funny moments that you can think of in the back of your mind. Hmm. Um, there was many. I think there was a time that we'd snuck into a pool at, at Brisbane, and this was on the Baby Animals tour. And yeah, we, we've we've you know we were so proud of ourselves, managed to sneak into the pool. You know, no one was on us. Dave Leslie from the Baby Animals just basically comes down running, screaming at <laughs> <laughs> the pool and blows our cover, and we're like. Shh. <laughs> So you, so it's in a hotel and the pool's closed and you've gotten... Yeah, in. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it closes at seven o'clock or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Some, <laughs> you know, stupid Christian hour. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, there was that. I mean, um, oh, I think on the on the Jane's Addiction Tour, the my, I, I was... Uh, they, they basically said, no, you're not coming with, with us up until the night. Like, the, the first show was in Melbourne. Ah, well, the, the first two shows were in Melbourne, and they said, "No, no, we can't take you. We can't afford to take you." I'm like, okay, no worries. Yeah, yeah. Then the night that that was like, "Do you want to come with us?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So uh, you know, I go on tour with them with no clothes, no you know, no spare sort of anything, anything. <laughs> because they literally said, "Well, all right, come along then," and they were leaving. So if it was either you yeah. get on the. Yeah, you get on the bus. Yeah, yeah right. Go get in the Tarago and off you go. Um, so yeah, the, the, um, so just like buy undies on the road. Like, like how does that work logistically? Uh, doesn't <laughs> I, I? I don't know. I imagine it. Were, you know, we, you kind of put it, get used to a lot on <laughs> <laughs> on, on the tour. The sort of yeah, know, yeah. The usual standards. You know, yeah, you just know. wear the shirt like I, inside out I, and then back to front. <laughs> I, I did find that my shoes had been thrown out. I had to go find my shoes again. I'd thrown it out thinking that there was a smell. Oh, but gosh. It, but it turned out it was a dead animal under the car, but they'd thrown my shoes out thinking Thinking it was were, your shoes? Yeah. Dude, those Jane's Addiction <laughs> boys, they're l- loose. That, that wasn't the Jane's Addiction oh, boys. No, they, they had their own sort of, you know, 
uh, you know, bus of travels. Was, um, was David Navarro in the tour. band at that point? Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. No, that that was their last tour in that incarnation. They pretty much played two gigs in Hawaii and then broke up. For, yeah. You know, that was their first breakup and then mm-hmm. sort of, you know, reappeared a little bit later. But Yeah. Um, they were, you know, um, they were, I think Perry and, yeah, Perry and, and Dave were sort of, junkies at the time yeah um you know that that was you know we got a we got calls from them saying can you kind of you know sort this and sort that (laughs) really oh man that's some nefarious shit yeah yeah well you know that was kind of the part of the scene isn't it the times there was a there was a lot of that it was was sort of considered that sort of um crazy but uh, Mm. yeah that's um yeah Dave asked us for a lighter once. Um, I, I got to chat with Perry at uh, there was a Springfield's, which was like the 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 late night roadie bar where all the you know the bands and you know roadies would end up. Sure, kind yeah. of like where what Cherry was mm. uh, uh, is. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, you know hung out with him a bit, and, and that was good. And I, I caught up with you know. Eric Avery, the bass player and the, the drummer Stephen Perkins, we hung out with them for hours in in the the dressing room at Brisbane. Mm. Yeah, they were good guys. Good guys. Yeah. I guess when you've been around it since you were in your you know teenage and early twenties, um, and you know working for um, bands of you know that ilk, like you know really established you know superstars, really in their mm. own right, you you would kind of like. It would, it would kind of take the shine off it, wouldn't it? Like, you'd be like, oh, okay, there's just another dude, whatever. I've got to pick up his guitar and, you know. Like, I mean, having said that, were you ever like, oh, yeah, I can't believe I'm getting to work this closely to this guy, like, even. Oh, it's a, it's a thrill. It's it still is a thrill. still a thrill. Yeah, cool. You know, when you work with someone that you, that you regard, yeah. um, you know, whether they're regarded as a good dude or, you know, someone whose work that you really admire. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's always a, a thrill, you know, and occasionally you kind of, you know, um, I, I don't do that much these days, but occasionally I get to work with someone who's really sort of, you know, yeah. somebody, yeah. you know, like, uh, I think probably the, the last one I went, shit, I can't believe who I'm working with was mixing Paul Cook. From the Sex Pistols at the Yarraville. Right. At the Yarraville. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. I'm like, fuck, mixing pork from the Sex Pistols. I was like, man. That's you insane. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It's, it's, wow, it's weird, but it, it pops up, you know. It's yeah. Sort of, it was heaps of significant moments at Cherry where I'd, you know, get to meet or work with someone that, that had a, you know, great history and I'd long admired and mm. stuff. And uh, mm. having the... Um, uh, the New York Dolls. Yes. You know, at Cherry was, was amazing. Um, I didn't get to mix them. They brought their own guy, but, yeah, you know, I st- stood in front of Earl Slick, you know, who was Bowie's guitarist and John Lennon's guitarist. And, yeah. you know, there he was. That's it, man. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really, you know, it's a wonderful game to be in when, it, when, when things like that come your way. Yeah. Especially, I mean, talking about Cherry because, um, that is, like you said, kind of like a, a hangout for, um, you know, musos, uh, unknowns and really well-knowns, you know, alike, mm. um, before and after shows and everything. Um, 
the fact that it is kind of like, you know, well, everyone's just a dude, like, at the end of the show or, you know, whatever. Everyone just wants to have a beer and have a yeah. chat and, you know, and just relax, you yeah. know, in, in a cool environment. Yeah. No, so, people don't go to Cherry to be harassed, you know. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, but I think most most people, if they know where the band's going to be, then they're cool enough to know how to talk to them. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. They're not going to hassle them. Like, have a selfie. You know, that kind of, you know, yeah. kind of, and, and, and that kind of gear. Mm. And so um, you're, you're working with these bands, um, having a great time. Um, and uh, over the last few years, you've started your own band. Well, I mean, because I, I had a little bit of a research, you know, before you came um, this mm. afternoon. I had a look on YouTube for your stuff with um, Redro Rodriguez and his Inner Demons. And um, I found a few things on, uh, on YouTube. Mm. One of the tracks that stood out was about... Um, uh, R- reality TV. Oh yeah, yeah um, total snoozeville. T- total snoozeville. <laughs> <laughs> such a such a great great title. And I, I actually, when I was listening to it, there was one lyric that just jumped out at me. I'm I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing That's you. But okay. I'm, I'm going to read it out to you because I, I think it's hilarious. Sharing morons, showering morons with money and fame while they act like a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now just lyrically, that's hilarious. But then in the context of the song, it's just brilliant. And the film clip that goes along with it, it's kind of spliced in. If the listeners haven't seen it, um, I encourage you to go and watch it because it is, it's a really great clip as well as um, great audio as well. Uh, the, the, the editor, did you edit it or someone did, else? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome, I, I awesome. Just, I just went and... St- went and found you know i did a search for pretty much kazakhstan reality television yeah uh, but you know of course kazakhstan doesn't have that much and america has heaps heaps so, yes. <laughs> so you just went with all the american so stuff I, I, if, you know every fight or embarrassing moment or you know just people looking weird you know you threw it in awkward, there yeah yeah, so it's live. It's live footage of um of uh, Red 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 Row Rodriguez and his inner demons interspliced with all of these um, uh you know reality best TV. bits reality TV brawls, brawls yeah. <laughs> There's even like I think um what's that terrible one? Well, it's good and it's bad for you know a couple of reasons. Uh, like it's like da- na- d- dating naked with yeah. they're <laughs> they're on the beach and it's just got these like blurred bits blurred. over there. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 like, I can't fucking believe it. <laughs> this shit. is on YouTube. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I can use this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic! <laughs> and so, when you when you wrote that, did you think, oh, I've struck gold here? This is brilliant. Or did you think, oh, this is this is kind of funny? I'll throw it in the song. Like, what, no, what was the thinking behind I, it? It's, I, I don't think of it as funny because it's, mm. a, it's angry. You know, like it's yeah, it, right. Because I think um, reality television is is one of many very toxic influences yeah. on society. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it encourages, yeah, well, Star Wars, for example. Yes. There's a film that encourages you to be a hero. Yes. To, to like, you know, to change mm. the, the status quo. Yeah. You know, to step up. Whereas reality television sort of encourages people to be complete fuckheads. Yeah. You know, or or it's basically saying it's okay to be a fuckhead. Don't bother working on yourself, you, you know. Yeah. You, you, Just you, make sure you take a photo of yeah, yourself yeah. and post it and get a million likes and then yeah. you'll be validated. There's, there's, there's nothing to be to achieve. Don't no. worry about it, you know. Just yeah, yeah. yell. Yeah. You know, carry on, be an idiot. It doesn't matter. And, and 
and so and everybody watches this and kids mm. watch it and they think well you know and that's where they pick up their you know it's sad man like i was just um on the netflix for kids the other about i think it was about six eight months ago and um we we're like oh we'll put on barbie you know because i've got twin daughters they're about well at the time they're about four yeah they're, they're almost five now i'm like oh barbie that's innocent yeah i'll put that uh, it says life in the dream house beautiful cool throw that on it's an animated fucking reality show where barbie and her friends are in the dream house talking about their problems <laughs> i'm like what is this doing on the kids netflix like this is ridiculous <laughs> and so then obviously i found you know just barbie princess magic and then threw that on and they loved it and okay. i was like okay this is appropriate i'll show them that but i'm so like what sort of problems are they barbie's got thrush or <laughs> <what is> <laughs> it? i didn't watch enough of this Maybe but, but, uh, there you go. That's that's the influence it has, you know. And it's yeah, it's yeah. the the the, oh, the God. it's and I think people, uh, you know, they, it lowers the bar for people. People don't try to to sort of become, you know, better or, yeah, yeah. or expand their abilities or understand or conscience or consciousness mm. you know it's it sort of it, it it and that's that's my beef with it you know i yeah, don't man. think it makes i don't th i don't think it makes humanity better and therefore is a waste of time it's a negative yeah. negative sort of experience and that that's that's you know anything that that sounded funny from that song was just it's it's a spit yeah you know? i don't yeah. even sing in tune i shout through the whole thing yeah right you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool man um it's it's certainly authentic and uh, that's that's what comes across in the song um so yeah tell us about um your guitar playing and singing um with that band and when you decided to like kind of pick up the guitar again um and and pursue that I never stopped. Um, you know, I, I kind of I did it all I, the way through while you were roadieing and yeah, I, I I'd sort of had uh, yeah, it started sort of bands in the you know early mid nineties. I had one called the Stars. It was you know kind of the you know the 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 best that I'd done at that point. Mm -hmm. That was in two thousand and five. That broke up, and then I had a couple of other bands that kind of you know. Didn't I? Didn't really get to the point where, um, I yeah, I just sort of given up on it about two thousand and ten. I just sort right. of hadn't bothered to sort of. Why would I do that? Why would I put myself through that again? Right? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had this friend Jay, who I'd played in bands with. He'd moved up to Queensland, mm. and he had um, he had saved up a couple of weeks of his holiday to to basically come back and jam with me when mm. when I you know when I put a band together and like that was in 2008 eventually 5 years later in 2013 he had shamed me <laughs> <laughs> like cuz he'd hung on to this, <laughs> this couple of weeks of holiday for 5 years oh man <laughs> yeah <laughs> And, and he chained me into forming a band, and that's how Redro Rodriguez and his Inner Demons came out yeah, came about. Right. And you know, in, in my time working at Cherry, there were there were a few guys that I'd spoken to, and the the you know, because like always in the back of my mind, I thought, yeah, I'll start a band again and stuff. And like mm. you know, I was basically sort of 
like that guy, I like that guy, I like that guy. Yeah. You know, eyeing them off. And then sort of, you know, when I decided to pull my finger out in, you know, mid-2013, I'd called up the people, got everybody I wanted. Yep. Put the band together, you know, jammed out the songs, played our first show, you know, in September. Yep. And, um... um I was off and running again. Yeah. And nice. Um you know, I was inspired by Josh Homme and his approach to having a collective sort of thing and mm. because I'd noticed in previous bands like, you know, you form your little gang and you call your band whatever it is. Yeah. And all of a sudden those other guys when when someone's got a gig, you know, when when a gig comes up, those other guys are obliged to play. You know, that like they they may not be in a situation where they can play or something. It becomes sort of difficult if everybody feels that they have to play when they don't want to play. Ah. So what I did was I went right. You know, nobody has to stay permanently. Yeah. You know the you know, and that's why it was Redro Rodriguez and his Inner Demons. You know, because I was the only constant. Yes. Um. You know, the, or the. Uh, the marketing focus. Sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> Man up front. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't sort of matter too much if the faces, you know, behind me sort of... Changed. Came, changed. Yeah, it came and went. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so did you... As it turned out, it was a very stable way of, of running a band. Yeah. You know, because people... You know, you didn't have people sort of in the band who didn't want to be there. Everyone yeah. always wanted to be there. Um, and you know, they're, they're like Mike Finley, he's, he's played bass with me the whole time, five years, mm. you know, um, constant at my side. Um, and you know, o over time I've found people that, that, that sort of Colsey's been with me for a year. Yeah. You know, um, Neil's been with me for over a year, you know, you just find find people and it sits for how you know it, it feels right, feel right. You know, yeah. everyone's happy and that, that's the happiest band i've ever run you know it's, that's cool man um and all you got to do is is not put put people on a leash i suppose and but the other thing is i'm blessed with a network you know having been around a while i'm blessed with a network yeah that you know i know heaps of players you know yeah. and if someone can't do it i know someone i can call yeah you know but if you if you kind of if you don't have such a wide network it'd be it would be harder to do yeah like if you'd have to resort to mel band every other week to find a <sighs> bass player yeah. or drummer i would shoot myself yeah it's, it's not it's, it's not easy <laughs> yeah look i mean i find myself in a u unique position at the moment because um, I, I was in the pass outs and still kind of play with those guys semi-regularly. At least once a year we do a Pearl Jam tribute show, which you probably remember. Yep. Um, and last four and a half years I've been in a band called Smokestack Rhino um, and recently split with them. And so now I'm kind of in musical limbo a little bit. I'm like, you know, I've got my app out on my phone, you know, the notes app on your phone. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wrote like, you know, creative 
options for Dave in 2019, you know, it's just this <laughs> list of stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm like, top of it is like continue Art of Touring podcast each week, you know, which mm. is, which I have been doing. It's been very cathartic and everything, yeah. but um, it's interesting you, you say, you know, having, having, having a break from it for a while and then, you know, stepping back and going, okay, well now I'm ready to do something again. I'm like, well, I'm going to want to work with ready. this person. You don't think you're even ready when uh, you first started it? Well, I wasn't ready to, to I was, yeah, uh, I wasn't ready to form Redro. I was, I was, you know, shamed into it. Oh, so, really? yeah. oh that's right. Because you were saying, yeah. "Oh, mate, had come back down from Melbourne." Like, yeah. dude, I've been here for freaking ages. Why aren't you sorting it out? Yeah, yeah, right. So, but you're glad a, it happened because yeah. you're stoked with it now. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was just sort of, you know, it was a kick in the ass that I mm. needed. I, I suppose sometimes it, you need it. it. It was always on the back of my mind. I just didn't sort of. I, I just didn't want it. I was scared of putting myself through the process. Yeah, know? right. And uh, and. Uh, I mean, rejection, you know, it's like oh. calling out people, hey, you want to play? It's like, oh, no, I'm too busy. And and you do get a lot of that. Yeah, man. Um, and, and at certain points in your life when you're fragile enough, it's just like, oh, it's like rejection after rejection after rejection. <laughs> oh, dude. It's just yeah, like, this game is full of that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Know, you call up four drummers in a row and no one can play, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of, you, you, you develop a fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes a genuine so like, fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it's yeah a genuine fear of a, a, a you know a mental problem. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just like any industry, I think it's I think it's prevalent a lot more in ours because people just assume it's just a bit of a laugh, you know. But in the end of the day, creatives are pretty you know fragile characters most of the time, mm. and when you're not getting that output you know from you know like you said like the rejection of you know not being able to form a band but even just the rejection from venues and bookers and festivals and mm. radio people and managers and all of those all that shit yeah. it's like yeah, i just want to play music to more than two people at yeah. the bar you know what i mean yeah and, and so yeah everything that around that's around that is why where you know some of those rejections can kind of happen yeah and so it uh, it's i mean you know you're dealing with an industry where there's more content than people can possibly listen to yes you know and 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 also from the from the creators you you know you have a lot of kids Starved for attention, mm. um, you know, and and the the move to music because it it's both gets them attention and mm. it's antidepressive, mm. you know. Um, making listening to music, it, you know, improves your mood. Yeah. Um, so you yeah, you kind of have a lot lot more creators than you have listeners, and so my approach with Redro was just not to not to shove things down people's throats like i th what i thought about okay what is important about it to me you know mm. why am i doing it mm. and you know it sort of once i'd sort of realized that you know maybe doing it for attention is not a good idea mm. uh, <laughs> or or you know not being true to yourself and um spent a bit of time working out that and i thought I love the process of creating. I love the process of recording. I love making a record. Mm. Um, I love, you know, playing music with my friends. I love being on stage. Mm. And I thought about those, you know, that particular set of things. Yeah. Um, and thought, well, I don't need anybody. I don't need a record company. I don't need anybody to help me do that. I can do all of that. Yeah. That is all achievable. Yeah. You know, that, that, that sort of, you know, basic simple happiness 
of yes. playing, and that's that's sort of what I went for with it, you know. And if I, I won't say no if someone invites us to go on tour mm. or says, "Look, we'll look after the," you know, for a for a fair sum, we'll look after the you know release and for the promotion and distribution of your record. Yes, sure. I'll say yes to that. I'm not I'm not anti-capitalist or anything like that, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I tr- paired it back to what I need. Mm. you know and how how I'm going to get something out of it and you know as it turns out it's been the most sort of um rewarding and sustainable um <coughs> project I've done nice man mm. thinking back to those um shows that you've done is there one that stands out that you think oh man that was a that was a killer gig I'm I'm glad we were able to put on that show and play with that band or oh, whatever Ninchfest was was a great was a great show yeah um Ninchfest was was really good. Um, just, where was that? That was St Andrew's Rec Centre. It's around the corner from where I live. Yeah, right. Down, down in the Mornington Peninsula, St Andrew's. And um, so my friend Drew put on a whole bunch of bands. Basically, sort of a few bands from Melbourne, but focusing on a lot of bands from from um, from the peninsula. Yes. Um, of which I was, you know, kind of one. Um, I'm from, the, you know, I live on the peninsula, but the rest of the band don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> I import them, but um, <laughs> but uh, that that was awesome. I mean, it was just the right time of the day, you know. Yeah, right. It's like we came on and and uh, we we were the the right band at the right time. Yes, you know and that 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 was one that was important important for me. Mm. The launch show that we had at Cherry back in August that was incredible. You know, just. You know the the room was nearly full. You know, looking yeah. at the back of that room and seeing seeing faces down there, and everybody sort of you know focused the you know the attention. Yeah, uh, sort of you know that's something that I've uh, you know worked towards. That's a cool thing, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that was that was that was a great night. Yeah, I'll flip it on the side now. Yeah. Um, can you tell me the the worst gig that you've been involved in whether it was doing sound or or, or performing god i mean there were stacks of rough ones as a sound person you know yeah. you, do, you do a tuesday night at cherry and and or something and you know some of the some of the bands that had come through on those uh and also run an, ran an open mic night so you yeah. kind of you see it's like uh, where do i start with the worst gig you know because like <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's like uh, the worst six months. Like, was, when is there going to yeah, be a good band just, that's going to show up? Just dragging your ass in there, and yeah, sort of yeah, like, you know, dealing with whatever comes through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and funnily enough, some of those people are now sort of in Amel and the Sniffers, and you know, are getting <laughs> attention and stuff. But at the start, they weren't very, you know, they weren't keen at the musicianship factor or stagecraft or things like, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was sort of, you know, well, let's not bother turning the bass box out towards the audience. Just, just. You know, leave it pointed wherever. Yeah, you know, right, things kind of like that. <laughs> or I was like, I didn't bring a bass. Uh, do you have a bass? They're like, no, we don't have a bass. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that stuff would come up all the time. An instrument. Like, I don't yeah, have a yeah. bass guitar. Yeah. And they, I'm the bass player. Yeah. They'd turn up without an instrument and, and expect the sound guy to look after it for them. Oh, maybe they were like, a bit like, 
you know, because at school there's usually instruments in the classroom, so they, maybe they thought just venues just had instruments. I'm, I'm defending. I'm trying to play know. devil's advocate. I don't know. Like, well, I mean, seems like something we, stupid my students had, would do. We, we had a few, <laughs> we had a few odds and ends for the for the open mic night, but, but yeah, well, usually it's like no. just bass. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but, um, backline like of a drum kit and yeah. amps, and that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like Tuesdays, the, the bands are expected to, to bring their own stuff, but, mm. but you know. It's, that was that yeah was, yeah right um yeah did you ever have to do any covers to subs to like or have you only ever got had to play originals like, have you ever had to do any covers gigs well my theory on on covers playing covers is that would be as depressing as working a day job wow um you know that that um because I, I, I you know uh, songwriting yeah and making weird stuff, weird sounds on the guitar, yeah, are my thing, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, that's you know it to a certain extent, you know, I'm not a musician, a musician's a person that that you know picks up an instrument and can play, you know, can you play this, yes, give me five minutes, you know, yeah, 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 uh, whereas I sort of consider myself as a musical artist mm. as someone who created stuff in music. Sure, you know, but so the the idea of 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 playing covers has has never appealed to me. Yeah, um, and, and you know there there have been other sort of more lucrative day jobs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that working in computers, for example, is sort of makes yeah. a bit more money. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, you you kind of you know. Unless playing covers is something that you want to do, you sure it just wasn't something I wanted to do. It wasn't, yeah, wasn't that dream? It wasn't something that I would throw myself into and do, not getting paid and be prepared to suffer for or drive or you know. Yeah, right. The the any number of trials that a musician must suffer to play a gig. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, it, 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 it put on top seem, of that, you have to have play other people's tunes. You like play say, other people's come tunes on now. and and not get that much money for it. Really, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, it didn't. It, it never, never appealed made, to you. Never appealed to me. And, yeah. and I, I was surrounded by original musicians. Yeah, you know, right. I, just wasn't covers. Wasn't part of the the scene that I you know came up in it was sort of you yeah know, I, I was in a city <laughs> yeah so man it just sort of it, it wasn't a thing it seemed like a it seemed like a a, a cheat uh you know a cop out yeah right covers, but, yeah. yeah so but what about like um playing like a cover within an original set oh yeah yeah you yeah. always throw like maybe one song that you kind of <laughs> think you guys can cover well and you know get the crowd on side that kind of thing um no we never sort of Never, I mean, occasionally I'll, I'll hear a song and say, like, gee, I want to play that, and we'll play it, and we might play it one or two gigs and never play it again. Yeah, okay. So it's more just like a, a, a like yeah. flavour of the month. Oh, that yeah. is cool. And then, okay, now I just want to get back to my tunes. Yeah, yeah. right, man. Well, that's, that's cool because, I mean, look, I, I wish I had that was able to have that kind of um, uh, you know, outlook on it. Unfortunately... I don't have that many revenue streams, so you know, yeah. um, playing covers is kind of a reality for me. Yeah, um, and it's, I, it's for a lot of I'm musicians. I'm sorry if I didn't, I didn't mean to. No, not at all, not at all. I think it's awesome. I was sort of just explaining yeah. my own shit, chair, yeah, man. Yeah, path, hundred percent. It's <laughs> yeah. a cool thing. Um, yeah, right on, man. And so you've um, you've cut your teeth on the um, 
on the the roadie scene all the way through. Now you did mention you played in another band, Stars. What was that band? Tell me about that. Stars. Well, that that was me running a band. Um, <laughs> uh, we had another guitar player. Um, it was it was uh, you know pop rock. I suppose the things that were going on at that time were mm-hmm. sort of like Jet and. Oh. Um, uh, that was like two thousand and yeah. There was a lot 2004? of two thousand and four. Yeah, there's a lot of attention in the music scene. There was record companies are still you know were still a viable sort of thing. Yes. Um. You know, Napster had just sort of started, but you know it hadn't you know blown out to um what it became. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you know <laughs> no one makes any money out of recorded music anymore. Mm. Um. So yeah, that was, uh, and and we were trying to sort of you know uh, get picked up, right? With, you know, with those bands, um, uh, and, and we made one EP. Oh yeah, yeah, a little five tracker. Is it still out there somewhere? Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I think it's now the Stars Melbourne in brackets. Um, because there's probably five other bands called the Stars. The Stars, yeah, yeah. The Stars or the Stars. The or, Stars, yeah. And so, um, that was where, where did you record that EP? That EP was recorded. Drums were recorded at Woodstock. Oh yeah. Oh, and another place. Just someone had, had a shop huh. um, on on Ligon Street, and we recorded three three drum, you know, three tracks there, and then another two tracks at Woodstock. Mm. And um, with two different drummers, um, <laughs> and then sort of finished it, sort of um, at my mate's place. And so of, you played guitar and sang in that band. Yep. Yeah. Right on. And yeah. wrote most wrote most of the songs. Yeah. Cool. Far out. So stars, and then um, yeah, like you said, you um, went back into the workforce, and then eventually guilted into creating Red Rover Riggers and his and his yeah. demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, how many releases have you have you done with um, uh, Red Rover Rodriguez? Oh, there's been two albums, two full length albums, two full length. Oh, albums. right on, man. Yeah. And um, and that's all independent. Just release them yourselves. Yep. Um, and uh, obviously, our listeners can grab those on iTunes. Yep, iTunes, iTunes, pretty much all of the the major uh, digital stores. You can order vinyl copies through Bandcamp as well. Um, So do you get those pressed or they get pressed as you order them? No, they're they're pressed. We got got a a run pressed. Is that through Zenith here in Melbourne? Through Zenith, yeah. Yeah, you did those ones in that box over there. It's so good to be able to do a run of 150, you know. (laughs) That's cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's... you, know, you don't make a major profitable profit on it, but you know you can make your money back and and um, yeah, and you know not have a shitload of stuff in your garage. Well, in two thousand and thirteen, that wasn't an option. Mm. I had to. I think the limit was two fifty. Yeah, and that would cost me about fifteen, sixteen dollars a pop. Mm. So that you know it costs like two and a half, three grand just to make yeah. you know to do it on vinyl. And I was mm. like, I've spent, you know, like, because that band, we did a, a single, an EP, and then eventually I got to do an album. And it was about eight years into the band's existence. And I was mm. like, I want this on everything, you know, because mm. God knows if I'm going to have the money to do it again. You know, I didn't yeah, have kids, yeah. kids at the time, and yep. I was putting my own coin into it. So, um, you know, but now you can do a, a, a run of 150 
that sounds great. Mm. <laughs> but Zenith was literally just starting up in 2013. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah I, was, I was on the ground They yeah. sorted it out yeah. now. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, cool, man. So before um, we finish up, um, I did want to um, just mention and ask you, um, before the interview, um, uh, I actually play a little snippet um, of the artist um, that people have been listening to in their ears, and I was going to play that reality um, show song, the... What was it called? Total again? Snoozeville. Total Snoozeville. Yes. Yeah. Do you mind if I play a snippet I, of that? Go for it. Yeah. Is that cool? That's fine. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. So you will have heard a little bit of that. Please and, promote um, my music. Yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll have heard that. And if you want to follow Red Row Rodriguez and his inner demons, uh, you've got Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, all there's that a, stuff. There's a Twitter, but the, you know the Twitter just links back to the Facebook. But yeah. Yeah. Nice one. Um, and yeah, um, Bandcamp. If you want to buy anything, t-shirts, bags, um, yeah, all our merch is on Bandcamp. On Bandcamp as well. Yep. Thanks, Red Man. It was so cool to um, talk to you and, and get some of those juicy stories from the road out of you. <laughs> and um, uh, we'll we'll see you next time. No worries. Thanks, see you, brother. Daddy. Cheers. Ciao. And that's a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 34, Charles Barkley in the bag. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, give the podcast a share on social media, media, social media, social media, and use the hashtag Art of Turing podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Turing. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly at artofturingpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show. Maybe you've got some tips or tricks of podcasting you'd like to uh, uh, give the old maid dog. Please email me. I'd love to hear from you. Or just shoot me a message on Instagram at artofturingpodcast. You can listen to Art of Turing on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes. If you have enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone. Just write a short review, hit five stars and uh, come on back next week for a new episode. I release these episodes every week for free so uh, i'm not sure if you've noticed but the um you know the sponsors at the start of the episode they're not real they're fake i'm just having a bit of fun a bit of a laugh you know with the listeners you know 34 this week i'm not sure if you noticed that's charles barkley's number hello so you know whatever that means to you just come on back next week for another listen with old mate sis dog on the regular now let's get into some plugs. The theme music for Art of Turing is a song called Start a Fire by The Passouts, uh, which is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole debut album by The Passouts called Dead Technology on all digital platforms. And if you'd like to grab a physical copy of uh, that said album on either CD or glorious coloured vinyl, you can just go to thepassouts.bandcamp.com no, sorry, the Passouts Band, rather, .bandcamp.com, where you can get all of our merchandise, including T-shirts, stickers, posters, 
and even skateboards. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to, as always, uh, the amazing artist who designed the artwork for the show, Chris Wall. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big, big, big thanks to my guest this week, Mr. Redro Rodriguez, otherwise known as Red. Uh, Follow him on all social platforms and his band, The Inner Demons. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Touring with the Sith Dog. Ow, ow, ow! Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Charles Barkley's Finishing School, where basketball etiquette is our first priority.